we're, we're, we're helping other women get past their fears and resistance to asking those questions and giving them a comfortable space to really get confident in this industry. Hi, and welcome to Solar for All, a podcast focused on the intersection of clean energy and the issues of race, class, justice, and equity. I'm your host, Jeff Greenfield, and all the show notes and other resources are located at our website, solarforall.show, and that's spelled out S-H-O-W. And without further ado, I'd like to introduce our guest, uh, Justine Sanchez. Um, Justine is currently the program director for Mayfield Renewables uh, Solar and Storage Program, and uh, she is a it is hard to say a number this big. Uh, she's a 26-year solar vet, uh, been in a variety of influential and important roles in the industry. Um, I've read probably 100 pieces uh, by her and many more edited by her. She's been the uh, technical editor at Home Power Magazine um, and uh, has done a lot of training at Solar Energy International. And I think if my hazy memory... Uh, serves me. We met at Midwest Renewable Energy Festival in the old location in Custer, not quite 26 years ago. I think you were working at NREL uh, way back then, as well as doing some SEI stuff. But uh, it's been a while. So anyway, welcome to uh, our show, Justine. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, this is great. Um, those were fun days. The MRF days were the best. It was always on the summer solstice and we would drive out in an odd number of vehicles, um, all kinds of different funny vehicles to get there as young. Gosh, I guess I was in my mid late twenties back then, just having a ball entering the industry and I'd found my people at that point. And so we were just having a really good time traveling around the country, teaching about solar and um, just playing with the, the visionaries in the industry, the revolutionaries, the ones that really set our world on fire um, in these beautiful locations in the middle of uh, the Midwest in the U.S. And those are great times. Yeah. Yeah. And the industry sure has grown, um, you know, mostly for better. Um, and the, the, you know, the true kind of pioneers, true believers are now somewhat diluted with plenty of, you know, uh, gold rush seeking entrepreneurs and, you know, the, the money folks and, uh, going to SPI with ties is a lot different from going to MREF with tie dyes. But, uh, I think at the end of the day, (laughs) (laughs) at the end of the day, um, the solar industry still is a pretty amazing place to work. And, and boy, with this recent election and just kind of consensus that climate change is real and it's also a huge opportunity um, it seems like new people are are finding their way into our industry left and right. It's, uh, it's exciting times. Yeah, I agree. But I'm also amazed at how many folks we've known that are still in the industry these 20, almost 30 years later. You go to those shows and you still see, and they might have different hats on, different shirts on. Maybe it's a tie now, like you were saying. Um, but this is an industry that kind of tends to hold on to a their folks because it's such a good one and it's full of inspiring and uh, inspiring and inspired individuals um, trying to work towards a common goal. And it's, I've never considered leaving solar. 
<laughs> in almost 30 years. Like, I'm like, why would I ever do that? These people are amazing. And um, I think I have lifelong friends in the industry. Uh, you know, we've all been, you know, we got married, we had kids, we bought houses, we maybe we've shifted the companies we've worked for, but these are real friends um, that we've made over these these decades. And it's a great place to be. <laughs> Yeah, indeed, indeed we are, and I'm I'm glad and proud to call you one of my great friends um, in the industry. And um, tell me, so uh, you you went to UC Boulder back way back when, and um, you know, weren't you were not an electrical engineering major? How did you get into solar? Tell me a little bit about your your early path. You know, it's funny, and I've I've heard this before with a couple of other people. I wanted to be an astronaut. I actually went to CU Boulder and I started aerospace, aerospace engineering with goals of becoming an, ast- an astronaut. I entered in 80, 1988 is when I started school. And um, all of a sudden it quickly became uh, uh, apparent I wasn't probably going to go to space, uh, the, that wasn't really going to be my pathway forward. So I actually switched to physics. And um, it wasn't until my senior year that I really uh, got excited. I stumbled upon the PV effect just in some random research. And all of a sudden I was like, wait a minute, are you telling me that there's a synergy between this, uh, between silicon and the band gap energy of silicon and the energy of photons uh, that can liberate electrons and just with no moving parts, uh, nothing to maintain really, and just start creating electricity from falling sunshine. I mean, it's just magical. And it was really, it was one of those things like, and we could displace fossil fuels with this technology. like. All of a sudden, I was really like, it was the first time I got super, super excited about science in in general, even though I had been, you know, science was my thing, but not like a heartfelt thing. It was more of like an intellectual thing. This came, this struck me in my heart. And uh, Mm. it was one of those moments. It was a a watershed moment where I just said, oh my gosh, I think I know what I want to do. And because I happened to be at CU Boulder, I, I had um, acquaintances that had, uh, ties to the national renewable energy laboratory. Cause it's just the next town over basically. And I was able to get my first job right out of school at NREL. Um, and so it was, a, that was great. I, I got to work immediately at the lab. I was in the field. I was working with pyranometers, you know, I'm straight out of college. Uh, I was working with the solar radiation resource assessment division. So we made solar maps and I actually got to be in the field, you know, messing with the pyranometers and, it was great. Um, it was, I, my first boss was Dave Renee, who was a, a really wonderful gentleman. Um, I still see him at solar shows, uh, you know, this many years later, that's back in that from 1993. So that was awesome. But the thing that struck me not too long after working a couple of years in that space is that I didn't want to be researching the stuff anymore. I wanted to be a part of the force deploying um, what I believe to already be a, a tried and two true technology. And if we're going to stem this uh, climate change or, or, or stem global warming, um, we needed to get this stuff out there in, in, in the large quantities and fast. So I wanted to be a part of that movement. So I actually, I left the lab, much to my parents' displeasure, and... <laughs> And, and, and did some traveling in there as well. Tried to kind of, you know, I'd gone from physics major to NREL lab tech to, and I was 23, 24, 25. Um, I actually started waiting tables for fun. And I went into South America to travel around and just have be a, be a young person. And I came back, um, 
with that vision of like, okay, I want to be part of that solar workforce. How do I do that? And I took my first SEI class and it was with, with Ed Eaton and uh, Flagstaff. Oh, wow. Aaron. Okay. Yeah. In nice. I think that's like now we're talking 1996, 97. Um, I'm starting to get lost in my mid nineties years. Those were fun years. And, uh, it was incredible. Like, it's like, here's the guy I've been looking for. He, 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 you know, he didn't have the suit and tie, but, uh, this guy had all the answers when it came to the specifics of how you deploy solar, how you install it, how you design it. Like he had all those answers. And so, um, it was really exciting to meet Ed and then by default, all the other SCI crew members, Johnny Weiss, Lori Stone, Carol Weiss. Um, I started finding my people within the industry that really, um, you know, we, we connected well and we had a lot of similar goals and interests and it was just a really fun time as well. Yeah. And back then it was, you know, you wore all the hats, you were the janitor, um, or uh, in the case of Ed, you know, you, you were the engineer, but you were also the, the trades person, the tech, and you not only know how to, uh, you know, size wire, but you also knew how to strip wire and pull wire. Oh, you know, I think today oh, yeah. we really have, you know, disconnected that there's still plenty of, you know, solo, solo operators that do it all. Um, but there's a lot of specialization now. Um, and I think that that's good. That's part of, part of how things are evolving and how we're growing and serving more people and getting more solar installed. Um, but back when you started, mm-hmm. um, y- you know, the class was, uh, you know, how to, how to sell solar, how to size solar, how to safely install it as close as we could to safely back then and, um, and service <laughs> it as well. And, um, probably my yeah. guess is not to, were you the only woman in your class or in the technical class at um, SEI? It, let's see at that first one in Flagstaff, it was maybe there was maybe one other woman there. But certainly, yeah, it was it was either one or two women per a class of, say, 20 to 30 people. So um, that was the other interesting part. So we I uh, ended up going after that first class. I was I started um, <laughs> I was still waiting tables, but I started volunteering with uh, a local designer installer just to get more experience and more installation, um, just hands on. Uh, and so it was funny. I was I was waiting tables to support my solar habit because this is this is late. This is mid 80. I mean, I'm sorry, mid 90s. This is 97. I mean, the market really had not taken off yet. Uh, So there weren't a lot of jobs to be had. And so um, I remember during that time while I was uh, working with a guy, Ben Mancini out of Chino Valley, he would hire me, you know, first I was, I was just uh, volunteering my services and get to get more hands on after a couple of jobs. He's like, this girl's doing some real work. Let's, let's pay her. But it was like, you know, the, the jobs were so few and far between. It was, I couldn't just depend on that. So I was still waiting tables and I was working little solar jobs on the side. And then SEI decided to have a women's only workshop. And they, uh, they called me up and they said, well, you know, you're a woman from our last workshop and you've been kind of hanging around and emailing us. Let's, let's, do you want to come down to Tucson and be a part of that? And I was like, oh my gosh, absolutely. This is, sounds like the best thing ever. Um, and so Carol Weiss was there at Eaton actually taught the first one. Lori Stone was there and they just started realizing, hey, Kate, like we need to make this a more comfortable space for women to enter. And let's try something. Let's try a women's only workshop and see if they start coming around. And we did. And, and that class got filled up with a bunch of women. And we realized, what, what's going on here? How come they didn't come to the co-ed class? And one thing that I realized, that Carol and I realized after many years of you know, attending workshops and, and conferences um, together, is that we always, we found each other and we would sit right up front 
And we would sit there and there'd be something that would fly by and we'd be like, did you get that? And I would look at her and be like, no, did you get that? She's like, no, I'm like, okay, you ask this time, you know? And so we would like play off each other and be the annoying kids up front asking questions, but making sure that our answers got, our questions got answered, but we, we supported each other. And what we also realized is that there was a comfort level. Like if she had me and I had her, okay, like we've got each other's back. Um, I'm, she's got the same question I do. So it's not a dumb question, you know? So we just realized that that was, there was a, a power there. There was a comfort level there that we had um, identified. And when we started teaching these classes, because after the first one, Ed was like, you girls, you ladies got to teach this. I can't teach a women's course. This is ridiculous. So we said, okay. So we, a bunch of us got together and worked that next course. Um, just, uh, it was probably about four of us um, and worked out who's going to teach what and who's got strength where and, and work together to put up, to present a women's only course taught by women. And we had a ball. I mean, the women in the class wouldn't stop talking, wouldn't stop, uh, which is sometimes great, sometimes hard, but usually great uh, because they had been so quiet before. <laughs> I mean, if it wasn't Carol and I, I mean, we're, we got obnoxious and comfortable in our space, but it can take a lot to pull somebody out of there. Um, just being willing to speak up. Yeah. Especially if they've been programmed. I mean, as I mean, even women today, um, but even more so in the nineties, you know, program mm -hmm. to be quiet, sit in the back. This is a man's world. I mean, that's, I mean, that's unfortunately still prevalent today. It was way more prevalent then. And it sounds like you all, or, or actually the folks at SEI were ahead of the curve. I think they saw a problem and they wanted to figure out if they could address it. And um, that was their solution. And we did that for many, many years. And we actually did a women's only wind workshop, which was a complete blast um, in the middle of uh, it was Kansas. And that was, that was some fun. That was a really fun crew. Like we just started experimenting around women's only carpentry, women's only um, building. Uh, and then of course the solar classes continued. And so that was a really, really fun time in my career. Um, very inspirational. We would have women that had been um, electricians in their field, but had never been confident enough or comfortable enough to ask questions about the basics of electricity and how electricity actually works. And I actually had one woman like stop me in the hall after class just sobbing. I mean, this tough woman who had been, she, she's out there. She's pulling wires. She's in the, she's got her work truck. She's got her tools. She's not afraid of working with this stuff, but the ability to feel comfortable asking those questions and truly understand the technologies she's working with that had been missing. She did not feel comfortable enough mm. to ask that in a co-ed space. And so we just started feeling like, wow, this work is really important. We're, we're, we're helping other women get past their fears and, um, resistance to asking those questions um, and giving a, a comfortable space to really get confident in this industry. Wow. I'd, I've never heard that. You know, we've had a lot of beers together and we've talked about just about everything. I've never heard some of these uh, tales from, from the early days. Oh, and I tell you, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting, I'm getting goosebumps a little bit about this okay. and, and maybe some sadness too, or, or maybe, frustration and anger because, you know, the way you described it, like going to those conferences and these classes, if you weren't next to, to Carol and if she wasn't next to you, you might not be here today doing this. It sounds like. Maybe not, but I'll tell you something else. Okay. And this is where my parents get a little bit of credit. I've always been an oddball. Um, I don't know if my dad filled me full of false confidence <laughs> or what, but I've never been that afraid to speak up. I've always just kind of been my own you know, like square peg, round hole, 
Um, you know, I've always marched to my a different drum. I really stopped caring what people thought about me a long time ago, for the most part. And so I've not, I would ask questions. I mean, I might feel a little weird about it, or I'd have to be like, get myself a little extra push. But I have to say my dad always, uh, he had two girls. Um, and at the time, he actually has a third now, but he just made us feel like we had, you know, we're, we're, we were important. We were smart. Um, we had a lot to offer and don't let anything get in your way, honey. And so that was a big part, I think of me pushing through some of those barriers that, um, still exist. Yeah. Well, you wanted to be an astronaut. I mean, right. there you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so let's, uh, you've got a daughter now and of course your eyes are open. You're watching the, what's going on in the world and it's a different world. It's, it's, yeah. I hope that I, my, my read is that we're, we're making progress. We ain't there yet. Um, Mm -hmm. what's it like looking at today's world through your daughter's eyes? Um, it's interesting. I mean, I think every kid that's going through those 12, 13, 14 year old ages, like that stuff doesn't go away. You know, those are hard years. Um, their peers, you know, if you're, if you don't dress a certain way or or you're just like, you know, know how to work the social angles and you're trying to figure all that out for yourself. Like it's a hard time, no matter what era you're born in. <laughs> right. Or, or boys and girls. It wasn't easy for me yeah. either. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. It's, 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 that's just a hu- universal truth, not just for girls, but it can be particularly hard. I think for, for girls, um, they, how they speak to each other are kind of the, the things that happen, you know, um, at school and, you know, just, it's tricky. Um, and so I've watched my daughter who I say is pretty shy. She is, she was pretty shy during those 12, 13, 14 year old years. And one thing I'm just so thankful for is that she has found her space, um, with running. I mean, she just, uh, we actually, this is going to be interesting. I don't know if I'll get any calls about this, but, um, I was really against my kids having, um, phones. And however, in this day and age, you know, she's starting to babysit and be out and about. And I'm like, well, it would be really handy if she had a phone, but I just don't want to see her on the screen all the time. So I made a deal. She asked for a phone. I said, you know what? If you maintain a sport, uh, you can have a phone. And basically because I didn't want her sitting home. And I said, okay. So and at the time she was hesitant to actually try something like sports. And I knew that she actually from earlier years and her soccer years that she actually could run pretty well. And I was trying to find that carrot, you know, that might just like give her that little extra, like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll give that a try. It was like that. She's like, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll do cross country. I'll do track. I get a phone. I'm like, yep, you just maintain your sport. You can have a phone. And so, you know, I guess that's a bribe, whatever, call it what you will. But I will say, um, she, as soon as she started running and started a getting exercise, B realizing that she actually could run pretty fast and started getting some confidence around her body and her abilities and just moving and just getting that excess energy out, especially during those years, we saw a huge change. I mean, her, she used to walk around with kind of her shoulders kind of hunched over, just don't know, nobody look at me, nobody look at me. And then all of a sudden she started coming out, you know, shoulders back, head up. And now she's actually at 16. Um, She is qualifying for state and track. We're about to go to track next week. I mean, to the state competition for track. And she already went her first season for cross country last fall. And um, she's becoming an amazing runner. And something that I was kind of envisioning yesterday is like, you know, these women, like this generational thing with women, how, you know, my mom got us so far on her, her lap around the track. Okay. You think about a relay team and the passing the baton 
And my mom, you know, she was in the 60s and 70s and she was doing her thing and got her me to a certain point of like, okay, you know, you girls can go, you know, obviously have jobs and get married if you want to, don't if you don't, have kids if you want, you know, just kind of let us know it's all good. Whatever you decide to do is good. Um, And I've been like, I feel like I've been running my laps around the track in my career and trying to figure out ways of promoting women, promoting uh, in this industry, in this world, just in general. And I'm kind of like, in my mind, I'd like to be able to hand her on my lap, like uh, not a baton, but like a sledgehammer. And so that when she's coming around the bend and she can just hook that thing at that glass ceiling and shatter it so that nobody, that the ones that come behind her don't even, didn't even know it existed, if you know what I mean. What an image. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I yeah I've been yeah. watching a lot of Marvel movies with the kids. So, you know, you can see where that comes from. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. Shattering that, that glass ceiling. I'm trying to figure out some kind of joke to make about PV glass and non-reflective, some kind of wonky techie joke. Um, oh, wow. Wow. Well, that, that's exciting. Um, yeah. So, you know, looking back, a lot of progress has been made. Um, Amanda Bybee was on the the pod a while ago and, and I mistakenly said to her, said, well, yes. And, and of course women are doing great in solar. And I think that I've got a pretty bad perspective because we've got more women than men outside my office door here. Yeah. And, and I know a lot of really strong, you know, excellent, super awesome female solar folks. But she, she, you know how Amanda's well-prepared. She like had looked up the stats and she says, well, actually, Jeff, you know, it might feel that way because women are doing better than a lot of other, you know, uh, less represented folks, um, but we ain't there yet. And, you know, compared to what, 51% of the population, we're pretty, pretty far from being fully represented. Um, and especially out on the tech side, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll go to a solar conference and there's plenty of women in sales roles and marketing roles and finance and, and, uh, administrative roles. But, um, my perspective is not nearly as many in the engineering side and certainly not nearly as many in the hands-on trade side. Um, and I, and, you know, I, I don't think we're ever going to get to a 51% of our, uh, you know, folks, you know, carrying modules up ladders are going to be uh, female. Um, but there's plenty of them out there that have figured out, like that woman you pointed uh, out in your in your past. Um, that's that's what they want to do. That's what they're wired for. That's what they're great at. Um, but gosh, what an uphill battle to find a find a find a find a role there like that. It's interesting. I think about this in a couple different ways. You know, I, I taught a lot of, uh, of co-ed, I've taught a gazillion co-ed classes. I've taught a lot of women's only classes and um, women ac- make excellent electricians uh, as far as attention to detail. You know, there's, um, it's a great job. Uh, I have to say, like, I loved my time on the roof, um, wiring panels, setting equipment, you know, building battery boxes, all that stuff. Is wonderful. I mean, and then you move throughout the industry, depending on which where you're headed or where the jobs are, where you want to move or, or what your you know your new spark of like. Okay, I get the installation side. Now I want to work more on the design side or project management or you know maybe developing curriculum or huge you know. Now I'm really into these energy storage commercial scale projects. Like I, 
that is the cool thing about this industry. There are a lot of different directions you can go and there's always new stuff to learn. But back to my original point, the thing we would notice in classes is, um, especially in a co-ed class where we could get a, a you know, a number of women to attend uh, for whatever reason of that particular class. And we'd watch our, our groups and how they would work together. And the thing that we noticed was a lot of times starting the install. Okay. So we would have three days of in-class learning, and then we would go and install, do the install portion of the job. We noticed that the, like the groups with the women would take a lot more time prepping to start the physical labor than the guys. Okay. And so the guys would just get in there and start hammering away, start mounting stuff, start wiring stuff. They were just like, let's get the job done. Sorry. That's really loud on the mic. (laughs) Um, And the women would sit there and talk amongst each other and generate usually just kind of a process like, okay, well, how should we approach this? And well, is that really the best way to do it? And like, there would be a lot more thought on the front end. Um, And the interesting thing is that both groups would generally finish around the same time. So the women would go into it and they would usually make less mistakes, but they were hesitant to start. Um, the guys would no hesitance, hesitancy in starting, but would make lots of mistakes. And so they'd have to rework stuff. But at the end of the day, they both end up finishing the job about the same time. So it was just kind of a fascinating study in how the genders approach work and their like um, confidence with, with starting or, you know, it took the women some planning to get confident to go ahead and start. And so, I don't know. I don't know if that really speaks to uh, why there's more women, you know, in one uh, venue of the industry versus another that doesn't really address that. I just found it as an interesting side note to this, these, uh, especially the physical jobs that are involved with the solar installation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, even amongst a group of women or a group of guys, there's going to be different styles and approaches as well. But I I think you're you're right that probably related more to how we're raised and how we're uh, socialized and taught than to our, you know, genetics or chromosomes. Um, Women and and men are pretty different. It seemed like the women were more afraid of making a mistake. You know, they were more concerned about, we better get this right or we're going to look bad or, or something, you know, there was something there. Whereas the guys were like, meh, make mistakes all the time. No big, no big thing. We'll get through it. You know, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Well, you've got a lot of perspective. Uh, you've, do, do you have any rough order of, uh, magnitude, how many classes that you've taught or co-taught? It's hundreds. I mean, if you get into the online, no, I'd say hundreds. We're in the hundreds. Uh, I, okay. I don't think I could get into the thousands at this point. I don't, I haven't taken a account as far as the number of individuals. I'm definitely in the thousands. Um, you know, whether that's you, tens of thousands or yeah. what. But. Yeah, that's a, that's where I was going to go next. You've touched yeah. a lot of lives. Do you ever get like feedback from someone that you, you interacted with, I don't know, years and years ago, and then you bump into him or her and, and oh, find yeah. out? It's, oh, it's What's great. that like? I mean, anytime I go to a solar show, I'll, I'll bump into somebody said, oh my God, I took your class. Or do you remember me from way back when? And sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. It's been a lot of faces over the years and, and 30 years. Okay. So like people change and, and you, in, you know, somebody who might've been in my class in 1998 doesn't look like they do in 2020. Um, but as soon as they kind of to remind me where it was and where they ended up and I kind of connect the dots, usually I can, I can place the face. It's harder with online. I have to say, because, um, I do a lot of online instruction and there isn't any face to face. So that's trickier, um, when it comes to, you know, 
connecting with students on a, on a personal level, on that time in the field, you know, that's where you really make those connections. Um, unless there's a lot of back and forth on the, on the message board, which does happen on occasion, like, oh yeah, I was the one that really bugged you about that particular topic. And they're like, oh yeah, I remember you. <laughs> but those are generally the students that go pretty far, you know, the tenacious, they're persistent. Engaged. Yeah. Engaged. Yeah. yeah. Neat. So, you know, the, you, you mentioned that a magic thing happened or, or it was a different vibe when it was a co-ad class versus a, a women's only class. And, yeah. you know, there's all sorts of literature and people digging into the, the subject matter on, on women only schools and mm-hmm. how, what a different experience it is. Um, and there's pros and cons to all this stuff. Um, had, do, to your knowledge, has anyone dug into a class that's only for African-Americans or, or Latinos, Latinx folks? Um, w- do you think that the um, same dynamic of, of, uh, of, of, of a safe space or a, a place that's less pr- full of pressure you know, that's a really good question. And I can't accurately, I can't answer that. Um, but you know who could? I bet be Carol Weiss. Um, she okay. does a lot of trainings all over the world in Africa and all different parts of the of the world. And I think she might have a good beat on that. Um, yeah. I have to pull yeah. in another solar sister card. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. And I guess I would just say one thing with the co-ed classes. It was oftentimes what would happen is that we would get going on it on the install and somebody um, it's interesting on the, on the male side, they wouldn't realize that they sh- shouldn't have done this, but they were just trying to be nice, but they were like, Hey, I'm used to this tool. I'll just do this part for you. You know? And so it would oftentimes would be, you know, they'd be taking the tools out of a woman's hands and, and just to thought they thought they were being gentlemanly, you know, being nice about being supportive. They know how to do it. They could see she was timid and, and uncomfortable. And so we'd have to step in and be like, no, nah, 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 nah. you can't do that. You know, appreciate the, 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 um, the concern. We appreciate you. You know, obviously you're not coming from a bad space, but the only way to learn the stuff is to do it. And so that's the only way to get comfortable around it. And so everyone's going to have to do it themselves. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of learning from each other though, because there would be those times like, well, maybe this guy's a, a carpenter and he actually has some really good tips on how to position your body to hold that tool or how to like get those angles just right. Um, so you don't drill in, at, you know, at a sideways angle and, you know, whatever. Um, so we tried not to like dash everybody, like trying to help out obviously, but the key was having the women do it themselves. And so that was the only way to get past that, uh, that phase. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you, you point out that well-intended effort of wanting to help, um, but yet maybe doing more harm than help or, or not letting someone learn because you're helping. I think that there's a lot of guys, a lot of business owners, a lot of coworkers, colleagues um, that are stumbling around and that are trying to figure out what do I do? How can I, mm-hmm. how can I, you know, help, help my friend, my sister, my colleague uh, do better, learn this stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, 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 I mean, I, I don't want to say, say that the, the white male folks are the victims here, but it's hard for everybody to, to navigate change. It's not just the, the gender dynamics. I think that yeah. the, after the George Floyd yeah. murder this, this summer woke up a lot of people or brought a lot of focus to, to the, the issue of, of institutionalized racism, that a lot of white folks started really tiptoeing around 
you know, starting to really worry about how to talk, how to approach these issues. Mm-hmm. Um, sounds like you, you've been yeah. working on this, at least on the gender side, for years. Yeah, I think, I mean, as far as how to be, I guess you want to say how to be an ally or how to help out in this how to effort. Be a, how um, to be a good human. Just a, how to be a good human. Yeah. I mean, one thing is just asking somebody, what, what, um, how can I support you? You know, they, that person may have great ideas about what they'd like to see or how they would like to be supported and simply asking them um, might be the best path forward. Or if you have an idea, be like, well, I was thinking well, this might be helpful. What do you think? And the other thing is like not talking over them and not cutting them off and like giving them that space to be like, oh, this is really, all right, they're really asking me a question and I might not have an immediate answer yet. So I need a minute to think about this because I haven't thought about it before. It might take me a minute to frame my words. Um, and just having that kind of a little, giving her the floor <laughs> for one and being patient about how, you know, how that process rolls and, and asking asking those questions. That's off the top of my head. I probably should be able to think of a lot more of those, but I, I think those are good ones. I mean, and the the third one, not talking over somebody, guilty. I mean, I, I do it all the time. And and partly it's just the way I was raised and and how, how society has kind of trained me. And partly it's my own personality of somewhat, you know, ADD, impatience, impulsivity. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think uh, the, the yet she persisted meme um, you know, that came out of this is like, you know, oh my gosh, you know, this woman's actually, you know, saying her piece and, and standing up for herself and, uh, the, the, the status quo wasn't ready to accept that. Um, and so the notorious Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you know, yet again, helping us all learn, but, um, it's got, it's gotta be everywhere. You're probably still, even at your senior position, 26 years in the industry, you're probably bumping into some, you know, four-year newbie ta- trying to talk over you like he knows what he's doing just because he's kind of been, in, in ha- you know, habitated to that or that's been accepted all his life. Yeah, I've just recently gotten more comfortable with trying to own the space or own the room. Um, and that's, I think, been helpful because I haven't run into that very much lately. Um, certainly all the time back in the day. I mean, we've had class, we used to go to teach the classes, like as Carol and I in our earlier days, and we would arrive to the site and we would be, oh, be wait, there ready to accept the students coming in the door. And they would be like, they thought they would think that we were the, re- like the receiving receptionist people and the real instructors were yet to be, to arrive. <laughs> And it was funny because they would come and be like, oh, well, nice to meet you, ladies. You know, it's so great uh, that you're here. I hope to see you sometime during the week. And they would look at each other like, they have no idea where the instructors. <laughs> and so there was this assumption that, like, you know, uh, these younger women couldn't possibly know what they're talking about and be up front, you know, giving us these lectures. And, you know, thankfully, it didn't take too long into the presentation where they started to see, oh, these gals know their stuff. And um, they, they would just kind of, like, drop any preconceived notions of uh, what they thought we were, what we could do. Um, and then there was kind of a kick for them. I was like, wow, that's fun. You know, <laughs> these girls really, you know, and they're, they're engaged and, you know, because we, the SEI thing is all about being comfortable. It's a big family. You know, we're all a bunch of eclectic 
um, folks and the industry people across the board, you know, with Mayfield Renewables, with Home Power, with SEI, you know, we're all kind of a bunch of, of quirky, wonderful individuals. And um, we're co- pretty comfortable in who we are the, at this point. And so I would just say that owning of the space, you know, coming in and just not being shy, you know, speak, you know, speaking up, letting people know that, you know, what your background is, what your knowledge is. And it hasn't been as much of an issue lately, I have to say. Yeah. Well, it's probably because you're owning your space and it, it's, you know, it's, it, you talk about it as though it's a internal thing, but it projects out as well. And other folks sense it. Um, and, uh, you know, I think, uh, we see that we see, we can recognize that in others. I bet we could probably name some folks that are inspiring as, as like examples of, oh yeah, he walks with a certain confidence because X or she's, she's got this. Um, yeah. And that's important. And it's tricky in the, in the early days. I have to say, sometimes you got to fake it till you make it, you know, that is like, oh God, I'm feeling like nervous inside right now. This is going to be tricky. And then you just kind of be like, mm, nope, not going to like, that's not what I want to project. And so, and then there's a certain point when you actually do own it and you're like, oh yeah, I got this. Like, it's not a, it's not an act anymore. Like I'm really, really confident in where I'm at and what I know. And, and I've dug in deep enough that I know that there's really like, there's no, at a certain point, it's only opinions. Uh, you dig and dig and dig, think you're going to find new facts, new facts, new facts. At a certain level, you've realized these are at a, at their base root, their opinions. And I've started to make my own. I've like, I've dug deep enough that I'm like, I can make an opinion about this, t- you know, this uh, code or the, the um, what's the basis for it. Like, because I've dug deep enough for long enough, I know how it's established that I don't need to be always looking to others for my answers. Sometimes you can figure it out and realize that you've got enough there and you know, the other resources to go to, to fill in the gaps. Um, that happens all the time, you know, at inspections, uh, mm-hmm. when you've got somebody from the AHJ an inspector and you've got, you know, usually we, the practitioners are more, you know, uh, more of an expert on the solar side of the national electrical yeah. code than this kind of inspector that, that has to know, he probably knows a lot more about, the general code than I do. Right. Um, but then it, then it comes, it's like a, a old, you know, Sunday school, you know, Bible quoting match of, you know, verse and chapter. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but I've seen yep. you do it. I've seen, I've seen you teaching a class and, you know, knowing your way around, not just 690, but also 110. And, you know, as the code's evolving, um, you know, it's funny. Finally, the people that we know are the ones writing the code cycles. You know, it's, it's, yeah, it's, yep, we, exactly. we've, we've arrived. Um, not that the code's perfect. Uh, that's why it keeps changing all the time. Right. Um, interesting, yep. interesting stuff. Well, we've touched on a lot of stuff. What, 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 uh, anything jumped into your, I'm, I'm going to hand over the, uh, the controls of the spaceship to you. Justine, uh, anything uh, that we haven't talked about yet on this topic that you think might be useful or interesting to our, our listeners? Yeah, I mean, one thing that uh, I was thinking about in, in getting ready for this interview was um, just advice that people might need. And I think my biggest one is not giving up. It's like that persistence coupled with confidence. Like, that's everything. Be persistent, be confident. Um, even if you, you know, the confidence might not be warranted quite yet, but just 
know that you're going to find the answers. If you try hard enough, if you push hard enough and you don't give up, you're going to get to your goal. You're going to get there. You're going to get that job you want or that project through or that position on the board you've been looking for. Like, just don't give up. Um, and it may take longer. It may be a longer route to get there than you originally thought. I have a funny story, actually, um, about that. You know, when I was studying physics at CU and I first got into this, you know, discovered the PV effect, I started looking at companies that I might want to work for. And SCI was the first one that popped up. And so back in 1993, I like I graduated in May. Um, it was by, I think, the next week or within two weeks, I took a road trip out to Carbondale and I found SEI. And I'm like, I am here. I have my physics degree and I want to work in solar. I want to work with you guys. And they were just like, uh, no, like you don't have any field experience and we're not hiring. They didn't hire much back then at all. But they're like, you can take a class. And I was like, oh dang it. I thought it was going to be so easy. Um, you know, I just drive out there with my diploma and hand it over and they'd be like, okay, here's your, uh, you know, here's your badge. <laughs> and so it, it was just, it was kind of, it was comical, um, in my, you know, just not understanding that how things work and how they take their time. Um, and so I went back and I worked for NREL and then, you know, all these years later, so this is like 30, almost 30 years ago, I'm still working with SCI. So like I found my way there, you know, um, and I came back around. It took a longer time. I had to get more infield training. I had to do more things in my life to get there. But if you really want it, it'll happen. And, and maybe it won't ever go away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Be careful what you ask for. Uh, no, that's great. That's inspiring advice. Oh, man, Justine. Well, this is this is great. I, I love these podcast interviews because I even with folks that I you know, have known for, for decades, I learn new stuff about them and get to appreciate them even more. And I appreciate you and what you're doing for the industry professionally and technically. And then also in a new light, what you're doing for the industry in terms of uh, blazing a path forwards for women who want to be involved on the technical side. Um, uh, you know, I'm sure there's there's hundreds of them. I mean, hell, the largest solar company in the United States has a CEO uh, who's a woman. So that's pretty that's pretty amazing, and that's pretty great. Yet, even with that, there's still most most people would say, well, I don't know if I can do that. Um, I think that the 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 Windsor the Windsor uh, pointed the wrong direction for a lot of people, unless they can be confident and persistent and uh, probably get somebody to be right next to them to kind of egg them on and be part of their their tribe, their posse, their team. That seems to have been a pretty important piece as well. Absolutely. That was something actually um, I was thinking about is like what I look for in an, a potential employer. Um, and essentially it's like a visionary with heart and an open mind, you know? And I feel like those are the people that have helped me kind of like uh, allow me to move into the space, allow me to go for it. When I really got, you know, inspired and passionate about something, you know, those folks like Dave Renee, Johnny Weiss, Ed Eaton, Joe Schwartz, the Home Power Crew, and now Ryan Mayfield. Like you look for those folks that are like open-minded, you know, they've got a heart and they're visionary in, in their spirit. They're in this industry for, for a good reason. Um, my, I bet your chance, your chances are good of success and getting to where you want to go and, and growing along the way and not being afraid of taking chances. And, and, you know, this is a great industry. This is, I would say, of course, I'd love to see more women 
in this industry. I'm surprised we don't have more women in this industry because it is such a perfect fit for us. Um, there's so many opportunities and, and wonderful people in this space. Um, it should be a, you know, a no brainer, uh, for us to have a more of a, you know, equal numbers, uh, situation going on. But for some reason we, we still don't, but I certainly would encourage any woman who's thinking about entering this industry to go for it. Um, it's a great space. Well, we need them. We need everybody. Uh, and you know, it's been a, a long, long slog, but this is our time. And uh, this this industry is going to blow up. If if the numbers are right, we're going to need everybody to be doing every every role in the industry. Um, it's all hands on deck moment for us. And I'm glad that uh, you and the other pioneers have been pushing forwards um, to learn and experiment and take risks so that now it all comes together and uh, we can we can not only build a, a, a clean energy infrastructure to give our, our planet a fighting chance, but we can also do it in a way that also makes society better, makes society more inclusive, more just, um, and, uh, and hopefully stronger, you know, with that classic kind of diversity of, of different approaches. Um, we could talk all day, all night, and then the next day about this stuff. And I think we'll keep talking about it. Um, in the meanwhile, we've got to wind this pod down. Um, we've got our fun section coming up, uh, the better together, um, section. So we've got, uh, the part one is the note and promote piece, um, where you can share a book or, you know, some kind of an author or thought leader that you want to amplify and why, and then share a piece of advice or wisdom that you want to pass on to our listeners. Well, okay. As far as the book goes, I went with the solar route. I didn't go with the gender diversity inclusion. Um, I actually, there was anything, a new book sitting anything. on my Yeah. Not. Yeah. Whatever okay. works. Um, so, and I <laughs> I have to say, it's I, to be honest, I haven't read the whole book yet because I just got it in the mail. But Greg Smith, um, a longtime industry, uh, uh, you know, guru, I would have to say at this point, I just released his book, um, The Battery Powered Home. And what I've read so far is great. It sounds just like Greg. He's an old um, Navy guy, right? I believe he's, yeah, he's uh, yeah, yeah. SMA before that. And now he's with Tygo. Uh, anyway, he's, he's going to be in the industry for a long, just like the rest of us. I think he'll be circulating around till we all decide to, you know, go do something else in our retirement years, which will probably be more solar. But um, anyway, the book so far, it's hysterical. It sounds just like Greg. It's super engaging and it's definitely not dry. It's full of great explanations. Um, and so what I've gotten into so far, I'm, I'm really happy, impressed with. And so I'd like to promote his book. Greg Smith. And my advice, I've, I feel like I've already given, um, just don't give up that persistence along with confidence is everything. So keep at it. Keep pushing that ball forward. Get your shoulder into it. You know, if it's a big boulder, give it all you got and, and don't give up. And if it's just not going anywhere, just try a different tactic, you know, sit back, reflect, you know, give yourself a, a breath, some breathing room, and then get back at it either from another angle or, um, just with a little more force if needed. Good advice. I appreciate that. Um, and uh, the next part is the, the Better Together One Plus One playlist. Uh, we are building this playlist for our listeners, by our listeners, for our community. Uh, it's on Spotify, Apple, wherever you, you get your, your streams. Uh, so give us two songs. One maybe that's a, a 
old standby, a fave, and then one that's something new yeah. that uh, you want to you want to put a spotlight on. Okay, well, definitely an old standby fave, which I just heard recently um, when I was out, out in California. I was like, oh, God, I love this song. And so I downloaded it. I've been playing it. I play it sometimes multiple times or one after another after another. Um, it's Stevie Wonder, I believe. So that's a great old song. You Once you hear it, you'll be like, oh, yeah. It's so sweet. It's so wonderful. I believe Stevie Wonder. And then this other one is just going to show my age because it's not really a new song. But I heard it the other day. And it's it's funny for two reasons. One, I mean, it's just a great song. So it's Florence and the Machine. Dog days are over. Except I've always thought it said dark days are over. And so I was like, yeah, solar with storage. Like, you know, we're going to have these outages and our dark days are going to be over because we're going to have lights during these outages. And that song came on. I was like, dark days are over. And like, and then I looked it up. I was like, it's dog days, darn it. <laughs> but it's still a great song. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. And we've got the storage angle on it. That's mm-hmm. so great. Justine, the battery guru. Um, yeah. All right. Well, this is super. Thanks so much for for being a guest and for uh, a great episode. Um, Thank you to our sponsor, Third Sun Solar. And thanks mostly to our listeners. Uh, You all are the most important ingredient if this podcast is going to have the impact we want it to have. So spread the word, put it on LinkedIn, put it on your socials, share it with your colleagues, your friends, um, and subscribe and and, uh, join the movement. Um, you can find all the show notes, uh, references to Greg's new book and some of the other stuff that we've talked about um, on solarforall.show, S-H-O-W. And, um, you know, we're better together and we need everyone in an inclusive movement if we're going to address the huge challenge uh, that climate change is. And along the way, we just might address the bigger challenges in our economy, in our culture, in our society. And um, I think your daughter is a lucky person to be growing up in this world at this time. And uh, for her and for everybody else, uh, let's make uh, solar uh, an inclusive uh, place for everybody to put their talents and efforts and lean their shoulders against that boulder. Thank you, Justine.